Salutations and welcome into the Triple R Podcast. Uh, my name's Warren. How's everybody doing? Justin Pilcher is here. Pilch, how are you? I'm doing good, Warren. Thank you for having me. Oh, here you go. We're not going to do this right now because uh, we had to get this little intro out before our uh, episode here watching Capital Combat 1990 for WCW. Um, a lot of real life stuff happened this week. Uh, for the three of us, and uh, we're just going to make sure and get this episode out on time for our Triple R podcast faithful. So we're a bit unedited, uh, un not uncensored, but unedited, untouched, uh, as is, as some people would say, in the uh, retail business. But uh, we're going to get it out here on time for you guys and uh, be back to more regularly scheduled uh, programming next week. Um, does that sound good to you, Pilch? Yeah, this is like our uh, ECW, right? Like, you know, it's a little bit more raw. Oh, it's, oh this one's going to be raw, right? <laughs> uh, we do have to preface the audience with the fact that Chris won't be joining us today, unfortunately. Oh, no, that's that's next week, Pilch. Okay, well, then uh, Chris will be joining us today. Chris will be joining us today. So uh, have fun. Listen to uh, Capital Combat 1990, uh, Return to Robocop, and um, we'll catch you guys later. To another episode of the Triple R Podcast, I am your host, Chris Lee, joined as always, my big brother, the Bohemian of Bonheim, Behemoth of Bonheim, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Bohemian too, he, he loves, you got Bohemian Rhapsody, loves artisan coffees and scarves, <laughs> he's just a little silhouette of a man. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Warren Lee. Warren, how you doing? I am doing great. I am uh, eager to see the takes that come from Capital Combat 1990 here. Um, I think it's going to be a very controversial episode. Very controversial. Oh, well, controversial. It's, uh, it's going to be something, but uh, let's... We'll we'll get into it soon enough. Also joined by our uh, returning guest, fan favorite, Justin Pilcher. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you for having me back. No problem. Thanks for thanks for being here. 
The, the controversy is starting already. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you may know, this week or today's episode is going to be focusing on Capital Combat, a WCW classic. Uh, I don't even know where to really start with this. I mean, for some reason, they had a tie in with the release of. RoboCop 2, um, I don't know much about the RoboCop or RoboCop franchise. Never, I've never seen a single RoboCop movie. I don't know how RoboCop 2 did at the box office. I don't know if RoboCop, I'm, I'm, I think RoboCop 1 was a good big hit. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's defer to our RoboCop expert, Justin Pilcher. Uh, Pilch, can you, what can you tell us about the RoboCop franchise? Uh, RoboCop is a... 1987 American science fiction action film directed by Paul Verhoeven and written by Edward Neumeyer and Michael Miner. Uh, the film stars Peter Weller as the title character. Essentially, the premise of the movie is there is a very apt police officer who gets killed in the line of duty and they are able to save his mind as a cop, but that's pretty much about it. So they take his brain and put it in a robotic form. So he's essentially a killing machine with no sort of memories or recollections of his past. And it's it's really a fantastic coming of age tale because throughout the movie coming of age tale. <laughs> He, nothing nothing about what you just said says coming of age. <laughs> he he relearns his family. He really he relearns how to be a human and it really blurs the line between humanity and machine and it, it, it it's a it's just so ahead of its time. It's ahead of its time. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, let me ask you this uh Justin, being the expert of RoboCop, could you tell me how RoboCop plays into professional wrestling? So RoboCop takes place in a dystopian future, which is the first part. I don't really understand why he's in 1990. Um I assume that RoboCop is the ultimate protector and he has been assigned to protect someone from some criminals i guess but... <laughs> i don't know well <laughs> <laughs> whatever case uh this pay-per-view i mean in the title it's it's dubbed the return of robocop but this is the first and only time RoboCop has ever been on WCW programming. Um, the pay-per-view was held May 19th, 1990. It was location, located in uh, DC, the DC Armory in Washington, DC. Attendance, it was only 7,500. Um, yeah, I don't, it's just... That's kind of it. I mean, the, the pay-per-view itself, I thought there was a lot of great, good old-fashioned Southern wrestling going on. The whole RoboCop angle, though, I could have done without it. 
Well, let's be honest here. It looks like the pay-per-view was held at the Albany High Gymnasium. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it's it's not a fantastic venue. And also, don't blame RoboCop for this. It's not his fault he was dragged into this mess. <laughs> I mean, I think he could have said no, like I'm not doing this. Like he's a robot. What do you <laughs> I I think in 1990, when the success of the first RoboCop in 1987, uh, the budget for the film was 13 million, and they made 53 million at the box office. Smash, smash, hit. So they do it again in RoboCop two. The budget was somewhere between 25 and 30 million. And they did forty-five million at the box office. Wow, so, they still made a profit. Still made a profit. Um, but at this time, I guess RoboCop is the is the hot thing, and uh, they needed to get that that promo work uh, out there. Yeah. So they well, pricey was that Capital Combat really drove up ticket sales. <laughs> well, no, they they do talk about that. They say that. They're at max capacity, and there's still people trying to get in at the beginning of the first match. They did say that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you ha- when you hold a pay-per-view at a high school gymnasium, there's only so many yeah. places to put people. <laughs> yeah, you got and you got to follow fire code. You know, you can't overpack. It's, you know, a lot of bugaboos. But uh, anyway, let's get into uh, Warren. What are your, your opening thoughts on the pay-per-view? Uh, so my opening thought, as we already discussed, um, what is RoboCop returning to was my first initial thought in my notes. Um, but we, we talked probably way too long about RoboCop, uh, to be honest with you, to start this triple R podcast. Oh my God. Um, next was Tony Schiavone's here with the, uh, with the stand up welcoming people into the pay-per-view and he looked like a high school senior. Uh, I was a very young Tony Schiavone. Um, and then you got Jim Ross and Bob Caudill on the call. I don't think I've ever been familiar with Bob Caudill's work. Um, the commentary throughout this kind of sounded like two play-by-play guys um, instead of a play-by-play guy and an analyst. Um, but it wasn't. It didn't make the commentary bad by any means. Um but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into this. All right. Uh, any any anything else you want to add, Pilch, before we get into the match card? Uh, yeah, I would like to add. I like the opening a lot. You know, I, I don't. What's Armed Forces Day? I'm, I'm not familiar with that holiday. Is that Veterans I'm, Day? I'm no, also- no, not Veterans Day, and it's before Memorial Day. I, I'm just gonna quickly look at my calendar on my phone and see if Armed Forces Day is actually still a day. I can't oh. imagine it is. Does it look like it on my phone? Armed Forces. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's still a holiday. I see Memorial Day. I see Mother's Day. It is the third Saturday in May. May, It was May 16th of 2020. Armed Forces Day is celebrated each year on the third Saturday in May. The theme of 2019 was for the nation, for the people. 
Mm-hmm. So, okay. And there you have it. Yeah, and there you have it. I love any time that uh, you get a full band national anthem. I just, you know, God bless America. <clears throat> I thought the uniforms were a little weird. Like we were going back to like, you know, the Minutemen days, which, you know, mm-hmm. a little, a little much. Like, I think that was the point. A little much for my taste, but I mean, we are in the deep south. Much. So as, if, as long as they're not wearing like Confederate uniforms, you know, they probably won. Well, I don't think Confederate uniforms would have made it all the way up to Washington, D.C. It's the South, Warren. Just- <laughs> <laughs> the South. <laughs> That's the mid-Atlantic, if anything. Uh, my last note is, it, I agree. I thought there were two play-by-play guys on the mic. That wasn't what bothered me. Um, I don't know where else to interject this. So I'm just going to say it now. Did anyone else find it weird that JR kept talking about each wrestler's educational background well no that's that's jr's whole mo he's all about them talking about them being for the former athletes yeah i think but it it wasn't like it wasn't like i I understand that part but there were points where he was like and he went to texas wesleyan had a 3.68 gpa in (laughs) business economics it's like who did bring up who gives a shit he did bring up the fact that the Steiner brothers could have been teachers. Yeah. Like they cares? both got a degree in education and that they could, instead of wrestling, they could be teachers. I'm here to see two giant dudes beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. I don't give a crap if they studied art history at UC Berkeley. Just saying. <laughs> also, I have, I have a note about this, about this later with one uh, particular talent talking about the the schools and his gpa and just something didn't add up to me but we'll get to that later did pilch could you imagine walking into a classroom high school middle school whatever the case and seeing scott steiner just looking at you like all right take out your textbooks (laughs) scott steiner as your math teacher i think we have a i think we might have a clip of uh scott steiner trying to explain math to a bunch of youngsters but then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percents, I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. Yeah. I feel like I, I, like I would have learned a lot more in high school, honestly. I, I think, I don't know. I can't really speak to Scott Steiner being the math teacher, but... He might have even been a social studies teacher. Uh-huh. Boy, time to go back to Canada, the place we call Mexico North. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to call him out on that. Oh boy, uh, let's take a peek into uh, Scott Steiner's uh, gym class. <laughs> All right, thank you, Scott. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Oh, oh man! Also, <laughs> it really tickles me. Oh, uh, man, he he also got into um. Love talking about the uh, the economy and uh, different businesses. <laughs> state of obesity 
<laughs> rather disrespectful oh, still. Boy. There, Scott. One more, uh, we'll get so, more on, uh, more what, on Scott. What, what I've gathered from this is that <clears throat> our education system is very flawed right now. Okay. <laughs> we, we have all these different people teaching all these different subjects where one man <sighs> is proficient in so many things. So proficient. I think we really need to take a long, hard look about the amount of teachers we employ. I, yeah, I think, I, I think, I think you're you, right, Coach. I think you're right. You know, I also heard that um, that Scott Steiner may be interested in be running like a an entire school board for an area, and he had this wild uh, new system of how many days we're going to be going to school. Oh, okay. I got freaks nine days out of the week. I can give them, I was going to get seven days in a week. Man, you ain't big pup. I'm a big bad booty daddy in the nonstop. Now listen, English. <laughs> all right. So we might need an English teacher in this school. All the other subjects are covered. All the other subjects are covered. English, English not in the hands of Scott Steiner. Yeah. Thankfully, I have an English degree, so me and Scott go. Steiner run our own school. <laughs> there you go. Justin Pilcher, Scott Steiner School of Excellence. There you go. <laughs> the Big Bad Voodoo Daddy <laughs> Academy. <laughs> that, that's our first t-shirt. There you way. go. <laughs> we'll get uh, Letterman, Letterman's jackets. Yes, definitely have to get Letterman's Letterman jackets for... All right. Are you a member of the Big Bad Booty Daddy Academy? Do you want to? <laughs> oh, man. This episode's okay. going to be five hours long. Yes. Let's get into the car. There will be more Scott Steiner. There will be more Scott Steiner talk later. Okay. First match, we have Cactus Jack, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Kevin Sullivan. Facing off against the Legion of Doom and some guy named Norman, I guess. Uh, I don't know. He came out. I was like, who is this man? He must have jumped the railing. And they let him in the ring. I was like, oh, no, he's their partner. (laughs) And I didn't get that he was like, this was his. He's supposed to come from like a psych ward or something, like I don't know, some mental hospital. But he's a wrestler. Like I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't clear. I was, I was just like, what? But anywho, uh, let's let's start with Pilch with uh, the first match on the card. Pilch, what did you have to say about uh, LOD and Norman? <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm. My question to you guys was, who is Norman? And apparently no one knows. <laughs> so Norman, uh, and I I did have to look this up, but Norman uh, was probably most, most known for me, at least, be, uh, being Bastion Booger in the um, early 90s WWF. If you remember, if you remember that, he also went by uh, Norman the Lunatic and a myriad of other names in his wrestling career. 
So my next question was, how did this match happen? And I figured neither one of you would know for sure. So I came up with my own explanation as to how this match happened. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so the Road Warriors are eating a nice lunch in the WCW back room. Mm-hmm. In walks Kevin Sullivan, Cactus Jack, Bam Bam Bigelow. They want the chicken tenders, but they are all out of chicken tenders. Hawk and Animal got the last two. They proceed to go over to the Road Warriors. They slap the trays off the table, and they say, the two of you versus the three of us, capital combat, winner gets the next chicken tenders. The Road Warriors are distressed. They don't know what they're going to do. It's two versus three. These are insurmountable odds. They remember that as children, they had a friend, their next door neighbor. His name was Norman. (laughs) One day after school, they were all climbing this tree and Norman falls out of the tree, injures his head and has to be taken to a psych ward. They haven't seen Norman in years, but they don't know where else to go. They don't, they, you know, they don't have any other friends in the company. They need it. They need a third man. So they get on. They get on their Harley Davidsons. I'm assuming they have Harley Davidsons. I don't know much about the Road Warriors. De- definitely had Harley Davidsons. Absolutely have Harley Davidsons. They drive to the local penitentiary, where they find their old neighbor Norman. He's in a he's in a straight jacket. He's he's completely he's a, he's out of his mind. He's he's a lunatic. They oh, he's every bit of fat. He is also fat. <laughs> he walk. They walk into the cell and they. And Norman immediately, from after being mute for twenty five years, remembers Hawk and Animal. And this these these two gentlemen were his only friend, and they tell him, Norman, we we need your help. We need these chicken tenders. So they break him out of the state hospital. He gets on the back of the choppers, and they go to the event. That's how I think this match came about. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if there's really any other reasonable backstory there. Um, (laughs) I mean, if you didn't, if you didn't come to this conclusion, but for the backstory, I don't know what you were watching because that's how it happened. Reasonable. I mean, I would fight somebody over some chicken tenders. I know you would. I know you would. Uh, Other than that, uh, I don't like Cactus Jack's cheetah print pants. I thought those were. Ugh, a little not my favorite not uh, your favorite they announced Bam Bam Bigelow at 408 pounds I feel like there's no way that can be correct he <laughs> he, he, yeah. he, he's too sprightly for I mean he's big like but he's not 408 pounds big <laughs> did anyone else catch that they called Cactus Jack Cactus Jack Manson yeah that was his name that was the name Oh, so is he related to like Charles Manson? I think that was like the... that's why they dropped they dropped the Manson to get away from his association with Charles Manson. Right. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um so when Cactus Jack got hit in the head with the stairs, that's when I first realized that A, there's only one set of stairs. B it looks like someone made them in their garage. Like they took a couple two by fours, cut them up, painted them blue. It was like, <laughs> here we go. Good enough for baby. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. They, it, I thought it was more like they made it like 
two hours before the event started. Like they just threw that together. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Uh, the ending of the match was rushed. I felt uh, top rope clothesline was. I mean, it, it all looked good. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, before I close my argument, and I think I I painted the picture of what I think the gimmick is, and I want to I want to put this back on you, Chris. Is what is Norman's gimmick, and secondly, is it offensive? <laughs> I I mean okay well I honestly think I would even simplify it I like your backstory I like that you you know it goes back to childhood and they have a history together I honestly think it's more of you know LOD they have beef with uh you know Cactus Jack and and uh Say Cactus Jack and and, and and Bam Bam, and then they recruited Kevin Sullivan. Like, yo, Kev, we need, we need your help taking on LOD. Worst He's recruitment like, ever. All right, I'm in. And then LOD, they're hard up for a partner, and they just like walked in the alley behind the arena and are like, hey, let's get this guy. And they look, and there's some old fat guy eating donuts out of a dumpster. And he goes, who, me? And he's like, yeah, you, come on. <laughs> and then they just walk in, and then that was it. That's how, that's, that was it. Oh, man, that's that's not a good story. It's not. <laughs> it's just like, that's all, I mean, he, that's what it looks like. Also, LOD didn't ride their own bikes in. They rode on the back of bikes ridden by other people. And then they didn't even have a third bike for Norman, <laughs> little you know, fucking Norman the maniac or whatever his name is. He's from the but state it, hospital. He doesn't have a license, Chris. Get your head out of here. Well, he can he can still be a passenger. He can no. still be on the back of a bike. Like, were they gonna put him in a buggy? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. If we're gonna question that Bam Bam Bigelow was four hundred and eight pounds, I don't think there's any question that Bash that I'm sorry, Norman, not Bastion Booger. Norman is Closer to 400 pounds than Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Warren, what do you got on this match? Well, I um, I did get a kick out of Norman being from the state hospital because then he can be from wherever they are. They're just the local state hospital. Um, if we're going to talk about the backstory of this match, I think I would flip it. To where I think Bam Bam, Cactus Jack, and Kevin Sullivan were bullying Norman. And the Road Warriors are the ones that are coming in to make the save. Mm. Mm, interesting. Um, as far as the match, uh, the Road Warriors are so athletic. And they have a crazy mix of power and agility. Um, but... That also leads to not many moves in their arsenal. It's a lot of clotheslines, a few drop kicks, some gorilla press slams, and a shoulder block. And that's about it. Um, I believe Hawk was the one that threw the stairs, and I cracked up laughing as I saw the stairs get f- fly through the air to hit Catish Jack and knock him over the guardrail. Um, 
The ending was very sudden after a, a mini Pier 6 brawl, as as uh, Gorilla Monsoon would say. Um, and Hawk won off the, uh, with the diving clothesline off the top rope. Um, not a uh, doomsday device, just a regular old, regular old clothesline. But the way this match ended, it seems to be it's going to be a running theme for the rest of the pay-per-view with how matches are, are going to end is uh, at least what I noticed. Mm. Interesting. The other thing I noticed was if anyone was ever in doubt of why Mick Foley walks the way he walks, you know, his body has been damaged beyond repair. If you ever want to see why watch this match. He looks great. Young Mick Foley. He looks great. But he was dipping and diving over these ropes, goes over the guardrail, hits people in the front row, got smacked with those wooden stairs, and like and just kept it kept on trucking. I just thought that was amazing and a testament to Mick and leaving it all out on the line. Uh, he was a bumping machine oh, in this yeah. bumping match. machine. Bumping machine. And he'll he'll still take a bump. It will still take bomb. It's still crazy to me that we, in this pay per view, could afford RoboCop, but we could only afford one set of wooden stairs. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Very true. WCW, not a fan of uh, stairs leading into the ring. All right. Well, let's uh, let's ring the bell on that one. Uh, Next match. On the card, we're going to see Mean Mark versus Johnny Ace. Uh, and how serendipitous of this matchup on the pay-per-view we discussed today. Because as some people may know, uh, Undertaker recently retired um, this past week for on, uh, their Survivor Series uh, pay-per-view for WWE. And... Lo and behold, we have a young Mark Calloway wrestling under the moniker Mean Mark uh, in this pay-per-view. I just thought that was interesting. I didn't even realize he was on the card until they came until he came out. And I was like, holy shit, that's the Undertaker. This is crazy. And Johnny Ace did not know who Johnny Ace was, had to look it up, wondering like who this guy is. It's John Laurinaitis. I did not know that. <laughs> I still didn't know that till right now. Yeah, it's John Lennon. That is correct. Yeah, he he went on after his brother. That's nice. He did go on after his brother. You're absolutely right. Let's let's start with Warren on this one. Warren, what do you got with the mean Mark versus Johnny Ace? So the first thing that I noticed is that uh, the Catches Jack team of of Catches Jack, Bam Bam Bigel, and Kevin Sullivan um, took forever to leave the arena. So Johnny Ace comes out. They're still milling around near the the ring. And it wasn't until Mean Mark came out with Teddy Long to that they're even in the back. I don't know what they were doing. They were just taking their sweet time. Um, As you mentioned, a very young uh, Mark Calloway, a.k.a. The Undertaker here. Uh, This is pre-any tattoos. So it was very weird uh, to see that. Um, for some reason, Johnny Ace just never worked here in the States. 
he was a star in Japan, in all Japan pro wrestling. Um, but over here, nobody cared. Um, I don't know what it was. It just didn't resonate. And uh, the crowd just did not do anything for Johnny Ace. Warren. Uh, yes. Uh, just to interject real quick. One of my notes is I hate Johnny Ace. So, <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I don't, I wouldn't go as far as hating Johnny Ace. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it just the, the care levels is not there. Once he come, uh, once he came to the States and started wrestling over here. Um, and uh, and mean Mark gets the win as he demonstrates uh, his walking the ropes ability to drop the elbow drop there. Um, the match was bleh, I guess. Um, I just didn't. There was no way that that mean Mark was going to lose this match uh, to Johnny Ace. And Pilch, anything to add? So. My first note was, who the hell is Johnny Ace? Uh, thank you for answering that question, Warren. No problem. No problem. Uh, again, JR keeps bringing up where they went to college. Johnny Ace, a graduate of Northwestern, and Mean Mark, a graduate of Texas Wesleyan. <laughs> which is great. Great to know. Did you catch a GPA on that? I, I didn't. I'm sure no. it was there. No, sure. I only I only mentioned one GPA or heard, or heard mention of one GPA. There's a few weird things. So Jr. says that Mean Mark's hobby as a kid was being a bully. I was like, well, no shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really like that. And he also said like Mean Mark doesn't like anybody. It's like okay, well, Im- implied. <laughs> I thought the ending of this match was great uh, when Taker or Mean Mark. Walked on the ropes, hit him, and then gave him the big elbow drop. Fantastic. I my big problem with this match was, and it it actually kind of ruined the rest of the pay per view for me. Was when the match starts, they tell us that they've invested all this money in this this brand new technology. I'm like, oh, 1990 brand new technology. This could be huge. And they're like, it's the slamo meter. I'm like, okay, slamo meter. All right, I'm in. So they use the slamo meter on the finishing move of this match, which is the giant elbow drop. It registers an 8.2 on the slamo meter. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. I mean, I don't know what the scale is here, but 8.2 sounds good to me. And then they never use the slamo meter again. <laughs> There's no mention of it. It doesn't come back out. Does the slamo meter cost like $50 million per like rating? I, I don't know, but. Why spend five to ten minutes building up the slamo meter, and then it's just gone? So I think the way one, I I really should have wrote a note about that because I felt the exact same way. Two, I think the fact that yes, I think the slamo meter costs so much. And they spent so much bringing in RoboCop that they only had enough in the budget to use it once. Warren, the slamo meter is not real. <laughs> no, I know that. <laughs> but I'd they, like think, really, I'd they like think, really didn't know that at the time. I'd like to think that Mean Mark's elbow drop was so powerful that he broke the slamo meter. Ah, see, that I would have believed. If the, at the beginning of the next match, Jarrah was like, well, 
you know, me and Mark broke the slam meter. I've been like, ah, oh, touche, JR. Yeah, but that that didn't happen. They just completely they ignored for, it. They forgot about it. Is what they happened. forgot about the slam meter. They were having beers like two hours after the pay per view. Like, oh shit, we forgot about the slam meter. <laughs> we didn't do the slam meter thing. Um, other than that, I did want to talk a little bit about the promo after the match. Oh, I, I got something for that too. Go ahead, Bilge. So, why did do, why does RoboCop need a locker room? Um, he's a robot; doesn't have to change. Uh, what? Also, why does he need bodyguards or security? Again, he's a robotic cop. Um, the, the the most disturbing part of this was that Sting showed up to the pay per view, not because he he wanted to have a match but because he was afraid the four horsemen were going to murder his prepubescent fans <laughs> listen this is wcw 1990 so i guess anything goes like I, i'm worried about the little stingers myself i just <laughs> stingers I heard that and I was like, oh my God, like, is that really why he's here? And he got like, it makes sense that he got RoboCop because we're going to see a slaughtering of children. Like, yes, we need a robotic police officer. I agree. (laughs) It's a little. But uh, yeah, besides that, it was an okay match. I mean, you know, I I wouldn't watch it again. All right. Well, let's ring the bell on old. Oh, wait, before you ring the bell, the I actually didn't have a comment about that particular promo. I had a comment about the Rock and Roll Express promo, Ooh. which followed that, which was just before our next match with the Smo and SWAT team and Mike Rotunda and Tommy Rich. Um, what in the world was Robert Gibson doing after he was done talking and and uh now I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Uh, the other person in the Rock and Roll Express. I don't know if he was trying to do sign language. He was talking to Gibson. I don't know himself. No. Yeah, Morton. No, Morton. Uh, Ricky Morton. Sorry, Ricky Morton. So Ricky Morton's talking after Robert Gibson was done talking, and Robert Gibson just didn't stop moving. He was doing sign language. He was doing hand signals. He was talking. He was looking at the camera uh, just very weirdly. I don't know. There was a lot of stuff going on with Robert Gibson once he was done talking on his promo. Listen, Warren, I don't know if you've ever been backstage at an early 90s, late 80s wrestling event, but there are piles and piles of cocaine everywhere. (laughs) He probably did a couple bumps, man. He was riding that wave. For the match. Rock rock and roll, right, Chris? Rock, rock and roll, roll, baby. Rock and roll. That's what it's all about. <laughs> rock and roll. So let's, all right. let's, all right. let's get on with the next match here. Ring next that dinner match, bell. We got the Samoan SWAT team versus Captain Mike Rotunda and Tommy Rich. Let me, you know, (laughs) here's the thing that I noticed about early, 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 like WCW. They were just guys. Like a lot, there were some gimmicks, but a lot of the people, 
a lot of the the wrestlers in in WCW back in the day, they're just it's just guys, just random guys. They're like, I'm gonna put on these speedos and I'm gonna go punch somebody in the mouth. Like that's all it was. And dudes WWF, being dudes. Yeah, dudes being dudes. WWF back then, they were really heavy and like, all right, you gotta be this thing. Like you gotta be a you're a you're a plumber. You're a you're a you're a cop. You're a you know you're a you know you're like a tiki man who came to life. Like you know they always had like some sort of weird gimmick, and then somewhere along the lines, it flip flopped, where the WWF characters became just random, just regular schmegler guys, just out looking for a fight. And WCW adopted these gimmicks. I don't know what I, I just thought it was funny, like. Mike Rotunda, like they're just like, oh, here's the sailor hat. Like you're a captain. Like what? Like why? He's just nothing about him. Screams captain, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Tommy Rich, I don't remember what his he had a moniker. I don't remember what it was. Wildfire, 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 wildfire Tommy Rich, Which uh, is super <laughs> racist, by the way. <laughs> that was wildfire racist. It just is. Okay. Anywho. But, uh, oh, another thing, a lot of starting out uh, WWE Hall of Famers in this pay-per-view. Tons. You got, we had Mean Mark, we had Mean Mark, you got Cactus Jack, uh, Super Young Cactus Jack, and in the Samoan SWAT team, a very young Rikishi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have Mike Rotunda, who later becomes IRS. You forgot about the Road Warriors. Road Warriors are in Road Warriors, yeah. But I was it's, more thinking like the young versions of these. Like these these guys are like just start now. Gotcha. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, let's go with who did the, started the last time. Pilch, are we on you? Uh, sure. All right, let's go with Pilch. <clears throat> so Captain Mike Rotunda and Tommy Rich. Uh, what is Captain Mike a captain of? Is he a sailboat exactly, <laughs> exactly? Is he a captain so, of the navy? <laughs> is he a captain of a lacrosse team? I think uh, he's a captain of like a booze cruise. <laughs> I think that's what oh, like Captain Jack. Yeah. <laughs> so what I would have done with Captain Mike Rotunda is um, a previous gimmick of his. He was in what was called the Varsity Club. Uh, this is early, probably pre-WrestleMania 1 uh, WWF. And the varsity goes just like like guys that were collegiate wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to be the captain of raping college students. <laughs> <laughs> just like all the other college <laughs> That's lacrosse players, Chris. Lacrosse players. Oh, you're right. You're right. So... If he's going to be the captain of something, I would just have him as the captain of the team. Maybe he wears a Letterman jacket. Maybe he has like the C on his coat or whatever. But the captain is like a sailor captain. I kind of missed the mark for me. <laughs> Maybe he was the captain of his like college rowing team. Again, still not, not there. Yacht club? Nope. No, well, well, no, no, not even close. <laughs> Captain of a <laughs> shitty gimmick is what it is. There you go. <laughs> but continue, Pilch, please. So, um, 
at one point, and I wish I knew which one said it. They say it's either Fatu or the other one. He goes Samoa number one, America down. So that was um, that was the Samoan Savage, aka the Tonga Kid, who said that. And all I could hear when he said that was um, in the voice of our field correspondent. Oh, the Iron Sheik. <laughs> let's let's go see what uh, the Iron Sheik had to say about uh, the Samoan Savage, aka Tonga Kid, kind of stealing his uh, his gimmick a little bit. Russia! He's not, happy. He's, yeah. not he's not happy. He's not happy at maybe, all. Uh, maybe take a lap, Sheik. You need to cool down, man. You need to, you need to cool down. Uh, I also got really upset that the crowd wouldn't let them do the Samoan ceremony. I mean. Yeah, that was very disrespectful. On the, it's, the, this is the America. We're supposed to, you know, accept all, all things here. And, you yeah. know, I just. Unless you're black, a woman or you know mexican samoan whoa, whoa chris whoa. uh gay <laughs> i um jewish <laughs> asian but yeah as long as you're not any of those things and you're a straight white male yeah we look great Chris went down a dark path right there. I'm just saying. Thank just you for listening it. to the Triple R podcast. <laughs> just keeping it real. And by no means are the opinions of Christopher Lee the opinions of every host on the Triple R podcast. <laughs> and by no means are the opinions of the United States the opinions of us here on the Triple R podcast. <laughs> It's just better to move on. Just better to move on. I thought the Samoan SWAT team had a really nice hug in the middle of the ring at one point. I, I actually said that I went as they did. I went, oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, they're family, man. They're they, family. They are. I mean, you know, you love to see it. So and they they stated that in early WCW and I didn't know this. If you get thrown over the top ropes intentionally, it's a disqualification. That is correct. What? Wait, I didn't know that was a rule. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a rule. You could not get thrown over the top rope. If you got thrown in between the top and the second rope to go outside, you're fine. But uh, if you're thrown over the top rope, it was a disqualification. Who's this? The person getting thrown or the person doing the throwing? The I person don't doing the throwing gets what? disqualified. <laughs> so wait, so wait a second. So you mean to tell me if, if me and you were in a match, Chris? Uh-huh. And I wanted to win the match. That's not a Royal Rumble. Well, I would just have to throw you over the top rope, and then you would get disqualified for what? Not stopping yourself from going over the top I rope? Don't, you said it. I don't know. I didn't say it. You said it was supposed You asked who was getting disqualified. Right. The person that went right. over the top rope or the person that explained the rule correctly. You left it up in the air like it could have been either way. No, it, it, there's no. That's in what universe? If someone throws you over the top rope, you get disqualified. That's why I was so confused. But what? 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 So I, I did note that Mike Rotunda took a really huge kick at one point here. 
Uh, he's re- he's a really terrible at making the tag. Um, <laughs> he had so many opportunities to tag out, and he he oversold all over the ring. Uh, I wrote Tommy Rich sucks with an X. No. <laughs> uh, Captain Mike Rotunda. Um, hey Chris, what college did Captain Mike Rotunda attend? I, I have no idea. It was uh, Syracuse University, which was said about five hundred times. <laughs> He did attend Syracuse University. Uh, right. Confirmed. Three one five for life. Mic drop. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, all right. Let's call this one. Oh wait, I didn't get to mine. Oh, you didn't get to yours. Sorry, Warren. No, no, right, no, no. Um. So I'm the exact opposite to you, Pilch. There was nothing that was stopping them from doing their ceremony because the crowd was not reacting to them. They were only reacting to them until they started yelling at the crowd. Um, the Samoan SWAT team got away with uh, at least, well, almost got away with one, but definitely got away with another, uh, pulling off twin magic. And Randy Anderson, the referee, was just, I don't know what he was doing. He was asleep. Um, but he caught him on the second time. Interesting spot here. It was with, I want to say it was Mike Rotunda and Fatu, where he shoots Fatu shoots Rotunda into the ropes and then goes for the drop down to where Rotunda's supposed to hop over him. Mm -hmm. But then Rotunda drops down behind him on the other side. And then he gets up and just starts talking to the crowd like he did something. Uh, Fatu got up, looked at the crowd like, yeah, I'm going flex and all that stuff. And then uh, Rotunda hit him with like a clothesline or something like that. Just an interesting uh, reversal that I don't think I've ever seen before like that. Um, as we talked about the over-the-top rope disqualification thing, I don't know how he didn't see Rotunda go over the top rope and uh, didn't call it. Um, and there are a few other instances in the pay-per-view later on where it's the same thing. Guy goes over the top rope, the ref doesn't call it. I don't know how the ref doesn't see it. So... If you keep saying and harping on that it's a rule, then you got to call the bluff and actually enforce the rule. Because if not, then you're just making stuff up. Uh, as a whole, I thought the match kind of dragged a little bit, honestly. Uh, it's It, it could have been a lot shorter than uh, this one went for 17 minutes. It, it could have gone, you probably could have told the story in like 12 and got every okay, and got everything that you need to get in, and uh, and and got out of there. Moving on to the next match. Hmm. All right. Well, Chris, are you okay? Yeah, you kind of went down a dark path during that match, and I just to check <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, really I'm just saying stuff. I'm I'm out here doing things. Oh. We're gonna have to start pulling this out. <laughs> Keep going down those roads. All Thank right. you for listening to the Triple R podcast. We are experiencing some technical difficulties. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh let's move moving on. Ooh, dinner yes. in this Capital Combat Slamajama. Next, we have 
the cool down of all cool downs. Wait, wait a second. I got I got two things before we get to the cool down of all cool downs. Okay. Uh, one, we have a we have a Steiner Brothers promo here oh where boy. oh boy, <laughs> Scott Skyder just does not need to have a mic in his hand. He, uh, he really doesn't. Just I don't know. It, he face Scott Steiner. I don't know. Just couldn't cut a promo. Heel Scott Steiner, different story. But face Scott Steiner, no thanks. And also, uh, I think was this the second time. Yes. So I want to say it was before the Samoan SWAT team, Mike Rotunda, Tommy Rich match. They announce uh, this. Th- these two people won a capital combat sweepstakes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then they announce it again just before this hair versus hair match where they actually show the people on camera. But the commentators don't mention anything about it. And I have no clue what they even won. Dinner with RoboCop. It's, that's probably what it was. At least I <laughs> hope that's what it was. It's probably what it was. But what does he eat, though? That's the question. Does he <sighs> eat oil? Does he eat human food? Who knows? I I would say oil. <laughs> he eats oil. Or is he like Ender, <laughs> where he runs off alcohol? It, yeah. He could. He could. He could. All right. Time hair versus hair versus hair now. Hair versus hair. We got... With these two guys that should just be bald anyway, but go ahead. They are bald. They're bald. They are bald, bald already. This they is the are dumbest. Bald. Neither of them were bald. They're they're bald-ish. Bald adjacent. Yeah. Bald adjacent. Uh, yeah, definitely bald adjacent. Chris, we have a friend of ours who shall remain nameless. That uh-huh. I think I know the friend you're talking about. That if he would have participated in a hair versus hair match. I think we all would have been like, it, what hair? Yeah. And right. That's, that's what I thought about this. I don't, I don't even mm-hmm. know if Warren, and I should go back and forth and debate on this match. <laughs> I just, I, I just wanted to point out that, you know, it's, it, well, first let's say it's, it's Teddy long and versus, uh, Paul Ellering. Um, in a hair versus hair match. Now, Paul Ellering, I believe, used to be in-ring talent before becoming a manager. Teddy Long was a referee for a long time and then became a manager. Theodore Arlong. Theodore Arlong. Um, and he comes out in boxing gear, first of all. Like, he's never seen a rat- wrestling match. <laughs> And so confused as to what he's about to do. Right. And I mean, I guess, yeah, he had long hair in the back, but there was already no hair on top of this man's head. Yeah, they didn't shave the back of his head. They only shaved the the top of his head, which had no hair. Right. They they cut like a little bit of the back. No, they they cut they cut most of the back because, like you said, there's nothing on top of his head. And then when he came out later. Uh, in the Doom and Steiner Brothers match, when he had his do rag on, mm-hmm. uh, the tail that he had before was just not there. It was kind of pressed up against his head, right. almost like a Gene Ogilvy kind of thing. Yeah, but they they took the do rag off. They're like, oh, he's so embarrassed. They're like, embarrassed about what? Yeah, he was his hair already bald. The same. No, he was embarrassed. His hair was literally the exact same, other than the tail that was hanging down. I, I would say he looks better now. Yeah. He should be less oh, embarrassed. 
So the way Teddy Long's hair was set up, I was for sure that Paul Ellering was going to lose the match and get his head shaved. Well, Paul Ellering uh, didn't have much hair either. He had more than Teddy Long. That's a that's a debate, man. That is a debate. <laughs> um, he had I, more hair in more places, but I don't think it was more hair. In yeah, general. Oh, yeah. So he had more hair covering his head than Teddy Long had hair. Neither one of these guys should have been afraid of a hair versus hair yeah. stipulation match. That's <laughs> no, that, I, don't, I think that's I don't, the point that we're all trying to argue here. Absolutely. Um, I too was was uh, very fond of of Teddy Long's get up and his entrance. Um, and then my next note was, and it's over because that's about it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. I do want to touch on the uh, the four horsemen promo before. The next match, um, yes. Sid Vicious in that tuxedo with that blonde mustache. Ooh, that's a good look. That's a great. Look. <laughs> I thought Sid was just so out of place. Uh, with didn't his, say it, anything in that. I don't think he said anything. He in said the nothing the entire pay per view. Said nothing. Did nothing. So a a typical. Horseman promo, everybody speaks. Right. Uh, Flair usually closes. Arn talks. When Ole's there, he talks. If Wyndham was there, he would have talked. If their manager, uh, James Dillon, was there, he would have talked. Everybody would have had their turn, and then they would have, and then Flair would have closed out and wrapped it up. Thank you, Rick. but the f- <laughs> everybody talks. Sid is just standing there and doesn't do anything. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't show any emotion. Nothing. And it's just like you just don't. I don't why are you here? Is my is my next question. You just yeah, even, really- even Arn. I mean, he took off his transition lenses and got real serious. Oh, <laughs> I I said that. I said I I've screwed up my life because I don't have a friend like Arn Anderson. <laughs> Anderson's one of my favorite wrestlers of all times. He, he more or less said, "If someone took the title from Ric Flair, he was going to kill them." Yeah. Oh, yeah. and he would absolutely. That's, I think that's that, why they call him the Enforcer. To this day, I think Arn would kill somebody if if somebody got to Flair. I, to this day, I, I want to be the world champion, has. but I don't want to die. So <laughs> You know, that's not, it's not, that's not worth it to me. I'll be the intercontinental or U.S. champion like that. I'm fine with that. I, as long as yeah. I'm alive. Yep. Um, I like that they called Gary Kubota the most, the world's most dangerous announcer. I don't know what he did to earn that title, but I'm, nobody, nobody knows. I'm sure it was just, I, I mean, I, I, I'm actually better off not knowing. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you need to know. All right. Let's get into the next match. Um, we got Midnight Express versus Brian Pillman and Z-Man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Midnight Express. These guys, I I don't, I know of Midnight Express, but I confused them with Rock and Roll Express. So when they came out with Jim Corn or no, they weren't with Jim Cornette. Were they with Jim yeah, Cornette? Yeah, yeah. Midnight, Express right. with Jim- Midnight Express was with Jim Cornette, and they put Jim Cornette in the cage, which 
was kind of weird because did you really need to put Jim Cornette in the cage? Because you could have just said Jim Cornette is banned from ringside. But then, but then, what would they do with the cage? No, if there was no cage to put Jim Cornette in, the segment after this match doesn't happen. Exactly. I know what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Anywho, let's uh, let's talk about this match. Uh, We'll start with Warren on this one. So. I know that you guys are going to have some questions about Z-Man. Z-Man, his name is Tom Zink. He is, uh, for the most part, a, a WCW lifer. Um, but I don't think he ever did anything of note. Um, Including the pay-per-view. He, <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was around for a very long time. Um I want to see how many titles has he. So he had the he won the, he had the U.S. title U.S. tag title with Brian Pillman. He also won a U.S. title tournament with Brian Pillman. So that was to win those titles. He was a one-time WCW Television Champion, and he was also a one-time WCW World Six-Man Tag Champion with Dustin Rhodes and Big Josh. Big Josh. <laughs> Again, the old WCW, they just, you just, they gave you a name and then like, in front of it. that was it. Big, Big Josh ended up being the first uh, iteration of Doink the Clown. Oh, okay. And probably the, the best iteration when Doink was, was a heel and was spraying people with his, the flower on his. The lapel flower that was on his coat. Oh, he had the the fake arm. Yes, and we had the fake arm and beat Crush with it. It was amazing. I love um, heel doink. One of my favorites. Yeah, heel doink was great. Um, I didn't understand. Oh wait, no. The first thing was there was a line about Jr. had a line about Cornette being a mixed doubles champion. Yeah, but his partner's said, name was Rick. Yeah, I don't know what that. I, this is probably some joke that we don't get. It was so mixed doubles is a man and a woman on tennis. Correct. And oh, it's it the woman. I got it. All right. Yeah. I got it now. That was going to happen <laughs> because for a second it went over my head. It too. went over my head. So I was like, why do I care that his partner's name is Rick? When he's <laughs> I got it. And it went, that was and my it first was, note is I was like, that's a really good joke. See, was no, no, I was a tennis guy, so Coach would have got that a lot quicker. I was like, well, I don't get it. Why? <laughs> okay, now I fucking get it. That I one actually, good. I actually laughed when I heard that. I was like, ha. <laughs> that's like a that's a, that sounds like a joke you would say about Corey. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I had some questions about the cage too. They put Cornette in the cage and rolled them halfway down the aisle. Yeah, and rolled them back. Um, I didn't understand it. It just seemed unnecessary. We won't just leave him there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I mentioned again, because this happened in this match. Uh, somebody goes over the top rope. Nobody gets DQ'd. So it must not be a rule. Uh, even though I know it's a rule because they keep mentioning it, but if you're not going to enforce it, stop bringing it up. Um, 
This was a very back and forth match, uh, pretty close to 50 50, almost all the way through. There was a big elbow spot by, uh, oh, why, why am I Bobby Eaton? Jesus Christ. Beautiful Bobby Eaton had a big elbow spot in Brian Pillman. He looked like he almost landed on his head. But for the next, I think they did four pin attempts with Eaton and f- three others with, uh, with the other guy, Sweet Stan, with Steve, Sweet Stan Lane, to where they were assisting Pillman kicking out, it just looked like he was all kinds of out of it. Um, and uh, they got a pretty uh, the Midnight Express got a pretty clean win, um, even with uh, no assistance from Jim Cornette, uh, and they uh, are new champs, new uh, U.S. Tag Title champs of the NWA. There you go. And I thought it was interesting. There are two different titles that were exchanged here for tag team championships. And that's still, there's still two more tag matches coming up, mm-hmm. which I thought was, was a lot of tag team wrestling going on tag here. Wrestling at its peak on this pay per view. Uh, Pilch, what do you got for Midnight Express versus uh, Pillman and Z Man? Uh, I did want to talk about those those pin spots, like Warren said. They were very weird. Like it, it honestly did look like Brian Pillman was just completely out of it. And even after that, he well, maybe it wasn't. Did he take that giant slingshot backbreaker before those pin spots or after? Oh, I I can't. I can't remember if it was before or after. Is that to me? It looked like he went rigor mortis off of that. Like he he like literally like tensed up and went limp. And I was just like, oof, that's a rough. Um, that was a rough, rough move. Uh, I I thought it was weird that Midnight Express kept hitting each other at the beginning of the match. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they're supposed to be this like in sync tag team. And they just kept smacking each other in the head. Um. Jim Cornette actually in the to get in the cage, he got decked by Randy Anderson. Do you guys remember that? Like the yes, he did. Like cracked him in the head to get in the cage, which I thought was great. Um, Chris, this is a question to you. Do you know where Sweet Stan went to college? <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna tell me. Uh, he went to East Carolina University. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So if I had to listen to that, everyone that listens to this also has to listen to that. Did you write down every, where everyone went to college every time they mentioned it? I think I stopped. I think that was the last one I stopped. At. <laughs> um, okay. Well, a few more quick hits. Uh, beautiful Bobby. He, I don't think he's that beautiful. Hyped up nickname. I think the rocket launcher is a finishing move. Is actually a really cool finisher. Um, I don't really remember ever seeing that before. So, uh, you know, it's just he threw him off the top, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was an assisted throw. I I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. No, that's, that's a cool finisher that they had. I feel like someone else did that, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, the most dangerous move in sports won the match, the inside cradle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of inside cradles on this pay-per-view. Inside oh. cradle. So, and again, talking more about how you know they spent all the budget on RoboCop. 
I just they we, this is the first time I think that I can remember that we got a real close up of the outside of the ring. And again, it looks like they took the mats from my eighth grade gym class and just like duct taped them to the floor. Yeah. <laughs> which is just that's, that's good old southern wrestling for you. Mind boggling this is on pay-per-view. <laughs> You're lucky you even had those mats out there. Sometimes they don't just don't have anything. Yeah, there was there was a point in WCW, probably when they created this this terrible rule that they don't want to enforce, to where they didn't have mats on the outside. So that's why they said, if you throw them over the top rope to the floor, then you're going to get disqualified. Mm -hmm. Um, I did think the match was very technically sound. Like I thought, all four guys were pretty decent wrestlers. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a cool Boomer Esiason name drop, which I think you know dates this pay per view very well. Probably the last time the Bengals were a relevant NFL franchise was 1990. So, uh, you're probably right. You know, with that being said, it, it, this was okay. I mean, you know, not something I'd go out of my way to watch, but I you know, didn't hate it. I think the two tag matches after uh, this one, and this one was a decent tag match, but I liked the two tag matches after that more. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Chris, are, are you going to? talk about the promo next or do you want me to start uh the so the the next the very next thing is what we've all been waiting for um i'm gonna <laughs> do that. Uh, so as they're clearing out the ring from this matchup this tag match the f- is it the Sting just is it Sting just comes out? How does he come out? Who does he come out to see? He just comes out. He just comes out. Sting just comes out. Is he doing like an interview or no idea? He's doing something. Sting comes no, out. They just play He's his music. Something. He's just running out to the ring. And then here come the horsemen. Mm-hmm. And then the horsemen put Sting in the cage that. Jim Cornette was just in. For what reason? Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Warren, you <laughs> no, Sting just had a uh, Sting had an issue with. Uh, it's always had an issue with with the Horsemen, with Flair and Arn and. But why old. would St- why did Sting need to go out to the ring right then? Um, the the overall theme of the pay-per-view outside of RoboCop. The main thing that they were talking about was the beef that Sting had with the Horsemen. And Sting wasn't medically cleared to compete. And Lex Luger almost wasn't medically cleared to compete either. But he had the match. uh, He was in the main event against Flair for the title. Um. But the main storyline of WCW at this point is is Sting is is the lead for WCW, and he's the Horsemen are the top heels, and they're they just always have beef with each other. Right, that's the backstory. Yes, <laughs> I'm asking you. Tag match ends. Okay, mm-hmm. the 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 who is it? The Express, Midnight Express, they just become tag champs, mm-hmm. right? 
They're walking back to the locker room. Z-Man and Pillman are picking themselves up. They mm-hmm. walk back to the locker room. Sting comes out. Why does Sting come out? I thought it was to cut a promo. He's coming out to cut a promo. I believe so. Okay. Sting comes out to cut a promo. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Sting comes out to cut a promo, and then he gets attacked by the horseman. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That's great. Okay. Fine. They throw him in the cage. Mm-hmm. Okay. The horsemen have Sting in this cage. I guess they were just going to leave him there? They're going to walk away? I don't know what... I don't know what they're gonna do now. Because that's, that's what that's what I was asking. Is okay. So I got him in this cage. What, what was their what was that? What was the end game? Yeah. What was the end game? They just leave him there. He's in the cage now. Sting's yeah. in the now, cage. So now he can't. So now he's a non-factor for the main event. I guess I don't know. We I have mean, forty-five all... minutes at least till the main. They're just gonna right. leave him. We still have two, how many more? He's, of, he's gonna be out of the picture for the rest of the night. But he's right there. Yeah, but he's but he can't get out. It's he's not, not gonna. It's just not a very well thought out plan by the Horsemen. Oh right. no, no, it's not a very well thought out segment by WCW. By all means, I totally agree with that. But here's here's what I'm here's where I'm getting at. Okay, all right. Sting is having beef with the Horsemen, right? Mm-hmm. Whole point is Sting wants to face Flair for the title. Right? Mm-hmm. So why? doesn't why don't they save this for and just do it all at the main event so like think about this think about this they don't do this spot here after this tag match they save it and you just go into your next tag match which is the 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 um rock and roll express and the Freebirds and the strap match right mm-hmm. and that match concludes and then you do your next tag match. That concludes. Now it's Luger versus Flair, right? In the cage. Mm-hmm. Their match is going. They're doing their thing. They're doing their thing. They're doing their thing, right? Same thing with the, you know, uh, horsemen come out. Arn, Ole, Barry Windham. They're trying to get in. And uh, Sid, they're trying to get in this fucking cage. Well, Sid wasn't trying to do anything, but we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. They're trying to get in. They're trying to get in, trying to get in. Sting sees that they're trying to get in and interfere. He comes out. Horsemen overpower him. Horsemen overpower him. They bring him back. Oh, that cage is still here. We throw him in the cage. Now he's in the cage, and now the horseman can go and like try and get into the cage around the ring while Sting is in the thing. Then Sting's like, I'm, I'm stuck. I can't get out. can't get out. Then you send out RoboCop, and he has El Gigante with him. They break him out. He RoboCop breaks Sting out of the cage. El Gigante does something. No, somebody. No, he doesn't. Well, again, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. But he touches somebody while RoboCop gets him out. Then when RoboCop finally gets out, then Sting can like you know get a couple punches in while the Horseman run away and then while horsemen run away and sting chases them then one person like stays behind like barry windham and they do their finish however they were gonna do it but i think that would have been a much better use of this robo man thing other than just oh we're just a cop he's a cop (laughs) robo man robo man (laughs) 
<laughs> he spent six months at a police academy to be called Cop Christopher. <laughs> robo, robo guy. <laughs> I'm triggered right now. <laughs> I just think having this, you know, this four horsemen attack on Sting, not even near the main event when that's who he's beefing. Like it doesn't. I understand they used it as like a throwaway, but they could have did better. It could have been a part of the match. It was I think it could have been a part of the match. I agree. It was odd. And I wrote here that Tuxedo Sid is scared of Robocop, which he is, and I would be too. (laughs) But I I think the thing that bothered me the most here, and this is probably going to be controversial, but that this segment buried the lead for the next promo. Which was the return of the Junkyard Dog. Oh, right. That's, ooh. (laughs) In the reveal that the Junkyard Dog has been sleeping with Jim Cornette's mother. (laughs) So that's what I did get. And so Junkyard Dog comes out. He's cutting the promo. And then Jim Cornette comes. And he's, Jim Cornette goes off on this rant like, what gives you the right to, you know, come out here and talk to these fans? You haven't been here in how long? And, you know, me and my guys, we've been here every day, day in, day out, blah, blah, blah. You know, what gives you the right? And Junkyard Dog responds with, (laughs) or Cornette asks him, where have you been all this time? And Junkyard Dog says, where have I been? I've been at, and he says some address. You know, I've been at 4395 uh, Shalton Place in uh, in Kentucky. And he goes, you know where that is? And then Jim Cornette takes a beat and goes, that's my mama's house. He's like, that's right. <laughs> and I laugh so hard. <laughs> that's right, because I'm your daddy. Jim <laughs> One thing that was the best part of the whole pay per view, in my opinion. I, I literally almost fell out of my chair, I was laughing so hard. One thing that uh, we, I mean, yes, age plays into factor in it, but we never got a chance to see. Um, the junkyard dog that we got to see in the WWF was a shell of what he was in, uh, in the mid south, uh, territory where Jerry Lawler was running things. He was such a huge baby face and champion contender uh, then. And uh, that was just his, that was his thing. That was the only thing that was really missing from his WWF run. He never got a chance to be that, that top guy that he was um, in other promotions. Never got to sleep with anybody's mamas in WWE. No, other than other than Jim Cornette's <sighs> back at uh in back in nineteen ninety. No, he didn't get a chance to sleep with anybody else's. Carol was in the kitchen uh making dinner. She's like, What did that guy just say? Whose mom is he sleeping with? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's dad? I don't get it. Oh gosh. It was so good. Oh, that's right, I'm your daddy. <laughs> 
Oh boy! Oh, so, yeah, I I totally agree with what you said, Chris. I think that if they tied this RoboCop segment into the main event match, it would have made a whole bunch of more sense. Um, Plus, they they were hyping it the entire. It's yeah from the start of the pay per view. It's the return yeah. of RoboCop. RoboCop's here. RoBocop's here with Sting. It's the return of RoboCop. You know, yeah. Sting are going to be out here. Don't don't miss it. He's going to be. You're going to see RoboCop and you're going to see Sting and they're going to be together. Like they kept saying it. They kept saying it. It was like you said, Pilch. It was like they're telling you what colleges people went to and they're telling you that RoboCop and Sting are here. And it was just that back and forth for the entire thing. And then it yeah. happened. In, in the words sure. of Chris Jericho, after this five-second blurb, we never saw RoboCop ever again. Yeah. That was it. That, that was it. We got ten seconds of RoboCop bending some plastic bars on a cage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just co- the collective. Uh, of this entire RoboCop segment just made me face palm literally as I was watching it. Um, I much rather would have been okay with just after the the tag match with the Midnight Express, they go right to the Junkyard Dog and the Jim Cornette spot. It would make a lot more sense instead of waiting for that promo to be done and then Jim Cornette still being out by ringside after all that. Um to then have this conversation with the junkyard dog. Yeah. But I don't know. They 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 knew they knew what they were doing, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I mean Robocop still grossed how much? Was it forty something? Robocop was like forty something thousand. Forty five, yep. And they, they paid about twenty five to thirty to make it. Yeah, well, they did something right. Okay. Uh, next tag match we got here. It's the Rock and Roll Express versus the Freebirds in a strap match. So now, when I first saw that it was a strap match, in my head, I think a strap match is you got a tag team part, you got tag team partners, and one person from each tag team is. Strapped to each other with a giant, like long ass lash, yep. or strap, or whatever. Like they're they're tied by the wrist to each other. That's what I thought this was gonna be, and it was just gonna be like free for all. They're all fighting, you know. No tags are gonna be really needed. It's just they're going at it. But no, instead, it's they each get a whip per team and the whip is on the turnbuckle and if you want to use it you can go grab it and use it but then you have to put it back so there was still a lot of just like regular wrestling going on and then every now and then someone would go grab the whip and you get whipped a little bit and then they put it back and I thought that was weird I thought that was really weird yeah, I didn't understand the um, the individual belts piece of of the match. Um, they it was labeled as a corporal punishment match, but then they brought out belts, and I was still thinking, hey, maybe they're doing the the strap thing in between, but they didn't, like you mentioned, Chris. Yeah. Um, 
And I thought it was silly that they, if it's a, a certain kind of match and they're saying it's okay to use this belt to whoop your opponent. They should just use it the entire time. They should just use it the entire time right. and and not have to every time that uh, the Rock and Roll Express have it, the Freebirds get out of the ring to get away and then the refs making them put it back. I just did that part just didn't make sense. Right. To me anyways. And also, uh, I think it was, it might have been Jim Ross, or maybe it was Tony. No, it must have been Jim Ross because he's a commentator. He said that even he thought each person was going to have their own strap, not that they were going to share it and have it on the turnbuckle. I think he said something about it. He thought that they were each going to have, you know, a, a strap that they could use around their wrist at all times and not just like, all right, the ref is putting this on the turnbuckle, not on them, their person, which just, I don't know. Everyone was, I think everyone was confused by this one. Um, Pilch, any, any thoughts on the strap match? So to to back that up, I think what happened was uh, WCW ran out of money (laughs) and they could only afford two smaller leather straps. When they spent all that money on RoboCop. RoboCop took all the budget. Um, <laughs> there's also very little use of the strap, which, you know, for it being a corporal punishment leather strap match, you would think it would play a more prominent role. Um, I know we all talked about this earlier. I thought it was cool that Michael Hayes sang his own theme song. No, you don't see that very often. <laughs> You don't uh, see that very often. Uh, early in the match, Michael Hayes did a moonwalk. I gave it five out of five. It was a great moonwalk. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, you know, everybody always says it's, you know, Ric Flair and, and you know, even Jeff Jarrett are, the sh- you know, got the good struts. Michael Hayes, not a bad strutter. He was oh, yeah, no, he was forever a showman, Michael Hayes. His best struts were when he was getting hit with the leather strap and he was like <laughs> trying to avoid it and he's like, you know, strutting out of the way. I thought that was great. <laughs> Um, he did do this one. He does this one move when he gets into the ring and he grabs the rope and like does this little like thing with his legs. Mm-hmm. Like a little, I don't know even know what you would call it, but I really enjoy this little dance on the ropes, like a rope shimmy or something. Yeah, no, who knows? Um, I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but the Rock and Roll Express are experts at. Not actually making a tag and then pretending like when the ref asked them if they made a tag, ignoring the ref like they're doing something else. Like this happened like multiple times where <laughs> someone would tag in and they didn't actually tag in. And then the other guy would be on the apron, like looking at the crowd and like daydreaming off to the side. And the ref's just like, oh, okay, well, this guy's confused. So I'm not going to ask him any more questions. <laughs> in every single tag match, there were refs missing tags and they just let it go. I don't remember seeing it wasn't until oh, maybe it was the next match with Doom and the Steiner brothers to where I saw a ref that they didn't make a tag and they actually were forcing the person to get back out of the ring. Yeah, exactly. And I wrote here that if you just ignore the tag, everything is fine. Just ignore it. Just, <laughs> just pretend, ignore it. Just pretend like the ref's not there. Um, <laughs> I wrote that uh, on every podcast we make from now on, we should put the hashtag bad street usa i think that's important probably get us more followers yeah okay yeah let's do that bad street usa baby add that to the uh, 
We should add that to our uh, list of. Uh, you just made the list of our hashtags when we post stuff on mm-hmm. on the IG. That Rock and Roll Express double figure four spot was great. Um, very well executed. I think they could have did that a little longer. Mm, I, I thought, thought it was about right. I thought it was too short. Um, I like the fact that we had two consistent or two very different uh, tempos where the Rock and Roll Express, whenever they were in control, it was a very fast match. When the Freebirds got in control, they slowed the tempo down really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I like how those those two dynamics played to each other, kind of made it seem like we had two teams that were similar, but very different in the way they worked in the ring, which I enjoyed. Um, Ricky Morton got just absolutely pummeled this entire match. Like I, it felt like he was in there for four hours at points where just getting just the crap kicked out of him. Uh, there I, again on budgetary things, which I'm going to keep bringing up is every time they, someone spit out to the ring, they got a shot of like the, the floor on the outside. And I don't know if you guys realize the litany of just extension cords that were everywhere. <laughs> and like they, they didn't even like try to hide them. They were just like out in like plain sight. Like I'm sure when like these these drunk fat fans are walking around getting a beer, I'm they must have tripped over them like all the time. I'm surprised there wasn't a lawsuit that came out of this place. I wonder in the crowd um, at least the last show that I went to that was actually like a TV vehicle of, of wrestling. I mean, um, where they have the metal thing that goes over the wires so they can lay them wherever. And you just, mm-hmm. I don't know if they ever had those back in 1990. I highly doubt it. Well, I highly mm, doubt it. Who knows? Um, I So I'm a little embarrassed to admit this because I don't know how this happened. Maybe you guys did. But at one point, I think, was it Ricky Morton was on the top rope and he got slammed back onto the ground? But I wrote here that Ricky Morton grabbed Ricky Morton by the dick. I'm not really sure what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't remember who it was. I don't remember who did the slamming, but that's just the way you grab them, I guess. Right. Going, I remember going. whoever it was, like, got a, a good, hefty, like, palm full of <laughs> manhood. Like, that's that's aggressive. Um, I, I actually very much enjoyed the finish of this match. I like that, you know, the Freebirds lost because Michael Hayes just wouldn't stop dancing. Yeah. Just, he, like, he, he was showboating so much. Help it. And he, he lost on the sunset flip. I thought that was a perfect ending. Um, yeah. I mean, it again, this is another one where, like, I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. You know, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it again. But I thought, you know, both teams told a pretty decent story in the ring. The leather strap stipulation, you know, unnecessary, which I feel like throughout the more WCW pay-per-views we watch, we're going to find more and more unnecessary stipulations unless they involve uh, change in a sock on a pole. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, so the first thing that I noticed the entrance of the Rock and Roll Express where they get in they ride out on I mean I'm guessing it's a forklift or some kind of thing where there's a platform and there's a jukebox on there and this machine almost takes out the guardrail going towards the people. Um, 
could have been a really bad, uh, bad situation. We talked about the straps uh, at length. Um, just didn't make sense. We talked about the refs missing tags. Um, the rolling hot tag uh, where was it Ricky Mort? No, Robert Gibson's in the corner and he waits for one of the free birds to come towards him. And he rolls to make the tag to, to uh, Robert Gibson. No, Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton's making the tag. Uh, that's classic vintage rock and roll express and their finisher. They had two finishers. One was a stereo drop kick where they both do a drop kick to a person or they do some kind of dive off the top rope that's into a sunset flip. So that was the end of the match, and they uh, they won the corporal punishment match. There you go. Warren, I got a question for you. What you got? Best quick win. Do you do sunset flip, inside cradle? or Wait, I think inside cradle and schoolboy are the same thing. No, schoolboy is the one where you get and get the handful of tights. Yes. So inside cradle is a small package. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so sunset flip, inside cradle, small package, or schoolboy. <clears throat> What's your go-to? Um. Okay. So, I think the answer has to be a small package. Small package. Yeah, I think it has to be a small package. Then two would be the schoolboy, so you can get the tights. Um, my least favorite would be the uh, sunset flip. Okay. Hmm. Pilch, do you you want to weigh in? Uh, I think the sunset flip is actually the best one, in my opinion. When it's when it's done right, when you get both legs on the arms, so they can't lift them up. Yeah. Um, like much like the Rock and Roll Express did, uh, you know, then the inside cradle, then the schoolboy. I don't really the leverage from the tights. I don't know. I don't. I don't buy it. <laughs> there was some uh, clip that well, I think it was. One, they were showing like the New Day's clips of all the times they won the titles. And one of the times they won the titles, Kofi caught Cesaro with a a uh, um, a schoolboy and had a handful of tights. And I mean, I don't know. Just the do you get that much leverage? Like getting a handful of tights? Like do you get really get that much leverage that they can't kick out? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Do you get? Warren, do, you, the do you get more leverage with holding the tights or do you get more leverage with your feet on the ropes? Oh, feet on the ropes. Feet absolutely. on the ropes. Easily. Especially when you do the Ric Flair. I, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm on the top rope. never seen leverage. That's the most leverage. <laughs> the most possible leverage. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, Warren, quick question. Yes. Who is Doug Furness? <laughs> so and Doug Furness. Follow-up question is why okay. do you think a perm was the look to go with? Um, so the, I'll answer the second question first because it's 1990, I think, is the answer to the second question. I was going to ask if he got it in a furnace. 
And that was why his name was Doug Furness. Interesting. Um, who was Doug Furness? He was a is uh, a power lifter, became a wrestler. He's a is uh, in a long standing tag team with. Uh, he was Doug Furness and Phil Lafon was the other guy's name. Um, they had a, a quick cup of coffee in WWE or WWF at the time. Um, they had a decent run in ECW. Um, but I think they really made their their bones in Japan. So he's no uh, one, is what you're telling me. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's no one. I mean, I remember seeing matches of his, um, but I don't think they really made a real a dent in these uh, in these waters over here. Hmm. Well, sweet perm either way. So. <laughs> All right. Next, we have a tag team title matchup. Before before we get into that, because I think it's important to note, is that uh, Sting did cut a promo between these two matches, and it was terrible. <laughs> yes. So, so then maybe maybe he wasn't coming out to cut a promo for the RoboCop right. segment, because he comes out and does a promo here. What was he doing? Right. Well, that's what I want. So I, okay. So now I, I retract my statement before, and I have no idea what he was doing. And it's, I don't it, know either. His promo was so bad that we were going to gloss over it, and the and I knew we were going to, which is why I wrote, "Don't forget that Sting cut a terrible promo," <laughs> and I underlined it three times. <laughs> and I love Sting, but like, I I like Sting too. Just, oh. It, I okay. Speaking of this promo, not to change this, it's kind of on subject. That was another thing I noticed with all the promos that were cut for this pay per view is every single person, when they cut a promo, they cut it against whoever they were feuding with Mm -hmm. and the horseman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Every single person. Everyone hates the horseman. They, yeah. they talked about whatever match they were supposed to talk about, and then and then it was always and another thing, Ric Flair, you better hold on to you and Noble Horseman better hold on to that title. Like they all want, they all want a piece of Ric Flair. No matter that, what, all come back. Ric Flair and a Horseman somehow. However, they were as they were the heels of the of the era at that time. They were they were the number one heel that you needed to go after. But it felt like they're not even in like the it would be like it would be like if you know right now uh you know Roman is having this whole big push, you know, whoever he's feuding with who's who's Roman gonna go after next? Or they haven't decided yet. Haven't decided yet. Haven't decided yet. All right. So let's say Back when it was Roman versus his cousin, Roman versus Jay, right? They're doing their whole thing, feuding back and forth, feuding back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Cesaro comes out and he's just like, Roman Reigns, I want to. And then the New Day comes out and they're, hey, yeah, we're going to defend these tag titles. But Roman Reigns, we just want you to know that we're also thinking about you and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, Whoever else, you know, Hurt Locker comes out. Hurt Locker. <laughs> hurt, hurt Business. 
her finger comes out. And then they're doing the same thing. Like, yeah, Bobby Lashley, he's going to defend this U.S. title. But Roman Reigns, don't think we ain't forget about you. And, like, uh, it's just that's – what do you – like, no. Like, cut your promo against who you're facing. If you're a champion, just cut your promo saying, I'm going to defend this title X, Y, Z. If you're looking to get a title match, like pick a title and def- pick that. But you can't cut a promo on every single person individually in the business. You either cut like a generic promo, like putting the locker room on notice, or you cut a promo towards taking a title or defending a title, but not like, all right, first I'm going to do this, then I'm going to speak on this, and then I'm going to speak on that. And I just thought that was crazy that everyone is like, they all want to shot it. Right. right, Chris. That, that's the thing that everybody wants a shot at the world's heavyweight champion. I guess, but Chris. Chris, that 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 was a very good point, and I do agree with it. But another thing, if Ric Flair comes on this podcast, he better watch his back because <laughs> I'm coming after him and the Horseman. <laughs> <sighs> Pilch is slowly becoming the biggest icon in wrestling. What's that promo? There we go. We got Pilch's. Uh, we got Pilch's ring name. Justin Pilcher, the biggest icon in wrestling. Oh, you didn't know? Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, so let's go back to uh, okay, favorite. So tell me about the Sting promo. Let's talk about the Sting promo. Oh, okay, the Sting promo. Got it. I have nothing to say about this thing. I said it. What I had to say it was. Oh, you terrible. just think it was terrible. I thought yeah. you had like specific notes. No, no notes. I kind of like my eyes kind of glazed over. Like he was, he was talking about a whole bunch of nothing. You, you know, you just barely got out of that cage. Like I don't care what you really have to say. <laughs> so I didn't really pay attention to it. I know. I, I could picture is- myself if I was like. At that place, I would be like, you know, 10 beers deep, just screaming like, Mar Robo, where's Robocop? Bring Mar. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. This is also uh, a match away from this is a tw- this is 20 minutes away from the the segment where he was locked in the cage. And then he's coming back out to talk some more. Right. Yeah. Nonsense. It's just. Yeah. yeah. They didn't do this right. But that's WCW. Now, now it's time to get to the match that I've been waiting for. Here we go. We got the two biggest, blackest men I've ever seen in a <laughs> Brian Simmons and Hacksaw Butch Reed. They call them Doom, accompanied by Theodore R. Long, mm-hmm. and they are going to be challenging the world tag team champions, the Steiner Bros. Steiner Brothers. Um, I thought it was interesting that there were two tag team titles. I didn't realize WCW had two different tag team titles. They had the U.S. title and the world title. I think one was an NWA title, wasn't it? 
No, both are both are NWA titles. Mm-hmm. Just NWA had a national one that was the tag, uh, the straps that the Steiner brothers had, and then one was strictly the U.S. tag titles uh, uh, that the that Flying Brian Pillman and Z Man had, and now belong to the Midnight Express. Got it. So, but um, this match was uh, I I really like this match. Um, I thought that Doom was surprisingly uh, taking a beating early, which I I don't know if I would have had it go that way if I booked it. I think I would have had Doom look a little more dominant than they did. I felt mm-hmm. like just... I don't know, but the Steiner brothers aren't no aren't slouches either. Like they're they're Rick's or Scott Steiner is a huge guy. Rick is you know a pretty big guy, but I don't just the it's Brian Simmons and Butchery like they're just two very big black men. Like they're just I and just, angry. You're and angry. Angry. I just don't see them taking the beating early i just didn't see it in my head i thought it should have been more of steiner brothers steiner brothers taking the beating then they you know come back kind of try and take control and then the ending was the end like i i liked how the it 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 kind of culminated 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 I like how it culminated, but I just the way that Doom was taken, it just made them look weak. And I don't know, I don't know why you would want to do that too. But uh, you know, they also they were the challengers. Steiner Brothers are champs, so I guess in that aspect, you kind of got to do it to make the Steiner Brothers look dominant because they're champ defending champions. But I don't know. Well, what what do you uh pilch? What do you got? Um so I the Steiners wore a very eighties attire to this match. Oh, yeah. Like that like singlet that's like neon zebra print is you know, screams nineteen eighty seven in my opinion. They um, did that for a very long time. Oh, they I did know. that up into like <laughs> until Scott turned in like what was that 90 something when did he turn big pop pump 97 98 somewhere around there I mean they I think at that point they started doing um Scott kind of went patent leather and Rick had like the airbrush yeah stuff but uh you know they did the the funky 80s early 90s colors for a while (sighs) um I love the headgear. Always have. I think it's a great look. Uh, you know, I don't think it's necessary, but you know, teach their own. Yeah, you gotta protect that cauliflower ear. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I, I actually <laughs> yelled out when they took uh, Teddy's do rag off. I said, "Oh no, Teddy's hat!" <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized it was a zebra do rag, and I was like, "Oh, that's even cooler than a hat." Um, let's see. I thought it was great that Doom played up to the crowd. I thought especially Ron Simmons uh, did a great job 
every time he was on the outside, just telling the fans he was going to hop in there and beat the crap out of them, and they'd shut up. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Um, again, you know, more JR talking about University of Michigan. Like, oh, we get it. We love when people <laughs> went to college. Um, question to my colleagues here. What differentiates a clothesline in a Steiner line? Uh, the person that does it. That's it. <laughs> Steiner liner. He did the Steiner liner like eight times. The way Jim Ross got so excited about Rick Steiner doing the Steiner liner, you thought it was a finishing move and the match is going to be over. But <laughs> just, just one close line. And every single time, Jim Ross, it's a Steiner liner. He got him with the Steiner liner. And there was like, there was no cover. There was no, there was no. Quotes count nothing. It was just hit him with a nope. line and on to the next move. It's regular old clothesline. <laughs> I just what's the difference between a clothesline and a Steiner liner? There was over under on clotheslines in this match was probably somewhere in the thousands. There was oh yeah, so many. And um, I I took the over honestly. Uh, I I actually disagree with you a little bit, Chris. I thought it was um important for the Steiners to kind of assert a little dominance in the beginning. And I don't think it really made doom look that weak. Um, I thought doom had a good game plan going in. I thought every time Butch Reed got a little beat up, he tagged and Ron Simmons. He came in as a fresh guy, uh, you know, got a little beat up tagged back in, you know, Reed and so on and so forth. I thought, I thought they did a good job. And then after that, Scott Steiner was in the match for what seemed like 25 minutes. <laughs> and I don't think he had a lick of offense for almost a half hour. Like he just got the ever loving crap kicked out of him. And to his credit, he he sold it all very well. Like I thought he did a great job, especially on that um double suplex spot where mm-hmm. he, he he landed down and sold that like a million dollars. Um my one bugaboo with this match and the up until that point I, I thought this was just you know awesome storytelling two got or four giant men just beating the tar out of each other i didn't like the finish i i me personally i would have liked to have seen a very doom just beat the crap out of both of them and pin them both like in a very decisive victory i thought the axe chop on rick for the one two three was a little meh you know i i i think we could have all been a little bit more impressed with a i don't know power bomb you know throw off the top rope something i just thought the axe shop was like that that after scott steiner got just absolutely obliterated by 30 minutes rick steiner takes a half-assed axe chop on the back and that's how they lose the belts like i would have <laughs> left rick steiner too i mean you're, you're weighing me down, dog. And that was a pun. You're welcome. <laughs> we need a uh, side note, just, you know, production stuff. We need to add a, uh, what is it? The rim thing. The oh, rim shot. Oh, the yes. Rim shot. Yeah. Make sure you get that out. But uh, other than that, yeah, no, I enjoyed this match a lot. Um, I thought the right team won. Yeah. You know, I always, you know, you guys know me. I love seeing a good heel team go over. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much about it. Oh, actually, I take that back. I have one more. 
Uh, JR called Ron Simmons the Burt Reynolds of wrestling. Did you guys catch that? I did. What? (laughs) (laughs) I think think it was because uh, Ron Simmons attended Florida State University, and so did Burt Reynolds. Still. It's, I, I I missed it, but that's the only correlation that I can think of. Oh. And uh, I've seen it a million times, but the Frankensteiner is still awesome move. Very that impressive. was a very awkward Frankensteiner. But it still, that, it still looked good, I thought. That whole sequence leading up to the Frankensteiner where they do two funky-looking back body drops – to Ron Simmons, and it was almost like okay, they screwed up once, and it looks like Ron Simmons took a nut shot, and then they do it again, and then they got to get up, and then now they're sorry, okay, now I'm gonna run off the ropes and he'll do the Frankensteiner. Just that whole sequence was, looked awkward to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add to the to the match, Warren? Yeah, so uh, this with these four competitors, it was the Hoss match to end all Hoss matches. Um, bodies were going to be flying all over the place. A uh, lot of clotheslines, a lot of shoulder blocks. Just, just uh, as as Biggie from the New Day would say, it's uh, big meaty men bumping meat in this match. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the the Teddy Long spot where they ripped the do rag off his head. I figured after the the haircut match that they did that they would have just shaved the rest of the hair off, but no, they just left it on there. Um, I, I maybe I'm mistaken. I thought it was two different do rags. I thought he wore a different do rag to the ring, got one snatched off, and then had another one in the stash, the zebra one to put on after the fact. But maybe I was wrong. Maybe I missed uh, and, and saw something crazy. Um, Saw a rare drop kick from Scott Steiner. That was probably uh, one of the last drop kicks he ever threw. Uh, once he got to the Big Bob Pump stage, I knew he wasn't throwing any drop kicks to anybody. Um, mentioned that sequence, and there were so many of these tag matches where, or not even tag matches, just matches in general in this pay per view where the ref gets distracted and then there's a pin to finish the match. Um, just happened so many times in this pay per view. But Doom walked away with the straps, so I was very happy about that. And uh, Chris, if I could borrow uh, Pilch's uh, shtick here, we mentioned already that Ron Simmons attended Florida State University. He was All-American defensive tackle. He's in the Florida State Ring of Honor. His numbers retired from Florida State. Uh, do you know where uh, Hacksaw Butch Reed went to college? No, I do not. He attended a junior college and was an All-American in the junior college football division. Uh, I don't remember the name of the school off the top of my head, but that's where he went. Okay. Thanks for <laughs> You took all that time to tell us he went to a junior college. A junior college, yes. Not what junior college? Not what junior college. But oh, you, oh, okay. No, you want me to do that? I'll effort it real quick. Let's see. Butch. Read. Oh boy. Go ahead and talk amongst yourselves, by all means. Go ahead and talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> he attended University of Central Missouri. Sounds like a great school. It's um, a great school. Okay, let's uh, get one of those in there. Now, 
Oh, Moving yeah. on, we're going on to our our main event. It is a cage match for the World Heavyweights Championship title. Lex Luger will challenge the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, um, who was accompanied by woman of all people. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that was interesting. I didn't know woman was rolling with Rick back in early 90s WCW. Um, I will say this. I like their cage. I like that it was like a, they were doing like Hell in a Cell before Hell in a Cell was a thing. I know it wasn't enclosed totally, but it was it like you didn't climb out of it. Like it was angled at the top, um, which made you question why Rick kept trying to climb the cage because that wasn't the point <laughs> of the cage match. It was just like so that you can't run and. He was still trying to run and climb in that cage. But then it was like they had a lot of spots where they climbed the cage and, you know, Luger would go chase and then you bang his head on the cage. But then it's like, all right, now we're up here, but the cage isn't connected to the ring. It's like to the outside. So now you're up there. You've done all the head bumps on the cage and now you have to climb back down. Like you can't take the bump off of the cage and fall to the canvas. Um, I just... I mean, it's not, uh, I guess it's not ideal. And it kind of takes the steam out of that spot. But, you know, still interesting to see. And um, uh, also, you know, Flair gets some color. Gets some color. A lot of blood. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's it. And, uh, yeah, but I thought this was a, you know, pretty... Decent match, even though it's Lex, and Lex is hard to watch sometimes in a wrestling ring. All the time. Uh, let's go with uh, let's go. With, let's start with Warren this time. So the first note that I had was talked about the the cage where it was a weird mix of Hell in a Cell, but with uh, the old with the shape of the old blue bar steel cage from WWF days in the eighties uh, into the nineties. Um, <laughs> I gotta borrow your uh, your stick one more time, Pilch, where he talked about Lex Luger and where he went to school. Apparently, Lex went to three different universities. He went to Penn State, and then he transferred from Penn State to the University of Miami, and then. I thought there was a third, but I don't see it on his uh, his Wikipedia. Um, but there was definitely a third. I remember them mentioning it. Uh, he also turned down going into the Navy. And he also had a, a high three, like a three six, three seven GPA. But JR didn't mention anything about him having his degree. So I wonder what happened. Um. Ric Flair's chops echo through any arena. Um, those are loud and uh, such go- such a good visual for a match. Um, Luger's moveset seemed extra limited in between punches, clotheslines, and press slams. Uh, other than that, it seemed like he was just getting beat up the whole time. And a lot Rick- of no-sells. Luger and a lot of no-sell. 
a lot of no sells. When you don't have moves in your arsenal, your next move is to no sell stuff. Yeah. Um, Ric Flair got color. It's par for the course here, 1990s WCW. Um, the platinum blonde hair is just phenomenal once he gets color and pops. Really yeah, and he and he bleeds like nobody's business. Um, we mentioned earlier about how awkward St- uh, Sid looked in the Horsemen. So the Horsemen come down now, and they're trying to get in the cage, trying to get in the cage. Um, Sting comes down to try to fight the Horsemen off, and Robocop. but no Robocop. Sting comes down and. He just I don't know. He goes after Ole. He goes after Arn. But Sid's just kind of standing there in the entryway as he's beating the piss out of Ole and Arn until he finally does grab him. And then El Gigante comes down. And what does El Gigante do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But he's he the biggest man that Jim Ross has ever seen. Literally stands there and does nothing. So then horsemen run away. All of a sudden, the cage raises up. Wyndham sneaks underneath, hits Luger, gets DQ'd. Ric Flair retains the title, even though Lex Luger wins the match by DQ. And then uh, they all make their way back. And it's just Sid. Sid and El Gigante just didn't even need to be out there because they literally did nothing. And even as they're chasing the heels back, to the through the entryway, like he's just walking back. El Gigante doesn't put his hands in anybody. He's got some silly looking get up on. Um, he's just completely a hundred percent useless here in nineteen uh, nineties WCW. Yeah, it's like I, again, it's what is the point of this? You know, you have this giant of a man come out and he doesn't give not one he doesn't push somebody pull somebody give him a no. chop give him a Nothing. little axe in the head or something you know any little thing growl i don't know do some intimidate him because i think they at first when he comes out they're all like holy shit this guy's huge yeah kind of scamper off but then sting catches up with them and starts brawling with some of them. And then they are all still just standing looking. Yes. Gigante and like while Sting works over Arn and then Sting goes and works over Oli. And now Arn is standing there with everyone else looking at El Gigante. And then it's just like, do something. Do something. Yeah. Even if you started throwing punches, I, I'm sure it would have, it would just, something would have been nice. The nothing that he did and the barely anything that Sid did just didn't help the segment at all. No, I don't know what, maybe they didn't, they weren't clear. Maybe he, I don't know. I mean, he is, uh, where is he from? Where is El Gigante from? Mm-hmm. Tijuana. Tijuana? Please. It's your time to go back to Canada, the place we call Mexico North. Uh, he's, he's from uh, Argentina. Oh, he's from Argentina. His grasp on the English language, because maybe it was like a, a loss in translation kind of thing, or I don't no. know. 
points. Lost, I don't know about translation, but just plain lost was enough for uh, for El Gigante. Pilch, how'd you feel about this main event? Um, I, I liked it. I, I think you guys uh, took a big poop on Lex Luger. Um, I actually didn't think he was that bad in this match. Uh, you know, I don't think he really understands how to win sometimes, but <laughs> you know, he he did his best. Um, I like that you know they made reference to how great Ric Flair had been. You, you know, he was the wrestler of the decade, which I you know is is fantastic. Um, I I did take note that the cage was a little weird, but I you know once it was lowered down, I think it made a lot of sense as to why they they made it the way they did. Um, did Warren? Did you touch on what woman was hiding in her glove? Oh no, I missed that. So they're doing the the refs doing the checks with Flair and Luger before, and he says, "All right, I want to check uh, woman as well." And I guess in her glove she had I don't know if they were taped up knucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what they were. It looked like it was like a the standard go-to. I'm going to hide a weapon on on me or my valet is I want to say brass knucks because it's not brass knucks. They're just taped. Right. It's taped knucks that they put on their hand and then that's their their uh, power of the punch kind of thing. I yeah. think it's more of a because I remember thinking like because there were times like somebody actually had brass knuckles that they would put on. But then they would also have these white. It kind of looked like shh string that they would put over their knuckles but there were little like knobs on it and what yeah. I think they did is I think they wrapped coins possibly some silver dollars with tape and then connected it so that it would fit over their fingers and then that was what they were punching with that's my guess no that's a stupid guess No, I think it's right I think it's right um, you know, I thought the flare opening chop was just brutal. I mean, you, I feel like you yeah. could have heard that in Georgia. That's yeah, cool. and and he and he no sold it. Oh yeah, well that, but that's the point. Like yeah, that's but. And then I did like when Flair kept hitting him with the chops, and then Luger was making like his peck stance. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, again, like you, Warren, I, when Flair tried to climb out of the ring, I'm like, okay, what, what, where are you going? Where are you going, dude? Yeah. Um, yeah. In classic Ric Flair fashion, as, as you touched on already, it took less than five minutes for him to cut his forehead open. He was ready to go. <laughs> um, I like that Luger hurt himself on the superplex. I thought that was a good uh, way to tie in the knee. I didn't like that he shook it off in about 30 seconds. That was a little... yeah. Um, and especially after having the figure four slapped on, right? Um, I I think the four horsemen did not take the Scott Steiner math class because <laughs> if you count, there are actually five of them, so that doesn't make any sense. Yes, yes. Um, so in general, in general, there was usually always five of them. There were the four horsemen that were the wrestlers, and then they always had some kind of a manager. So um, then you count woman as their manager, who is the sixth. So then there's six horsemen. Uh, it, okay. It, it, no matter how you slice it, there's too many horsemen. Right. <laughs> you got Arn. 
you got Oli, you got Flair, and then you got Wyndham and Sid. I'm not. I wouldn't even count Sid. He didn't do anything. And why was he there? He was there. He's a horseman. The answer to that question is late '90s WCW. Right. Um. So I'm sorry. Early '90s WCW. There's that. I didn't. You know, I thought the finish was good. I, I like the fact that you know it was the classic Ric Flair gets disqualified but doesn't give a shit and rubs it in everybody's face. Like you know, I love all that. Um, yeah. Little known fact, you know, well, maybe it's not little known, maybe everyone knows it, is El Gigante was a had a pretty big role on a little known television show that was one of my personal favorites when I was younger, um, starring another very famous professional wrestler. What Any guesses? Show? Are you talking about the Hulk Hogan boat show? Thunder in Paradise? I sure am. No, Jesus Christ. God damn it. God. Uh, Listen. Um, love El- love Thunder in Paradise. No. Hulk Hogan was the star of that show. Uh, El Gigante, I think, was on four or five episodes of Thunder in Paradise, if I'm not mistaken. He's one of the bigger villains on that show. Um, he was really? also in an episode of Baywatch, believe it or not. He was actually kind of a pretty big star. So... <laughs> When you talk about giants of wrestling that move into acting, I think you have to go Big Show 1, Andre 2, anybody else 3, and then El Gigante, like, negative infinity. I I agree, I guess, but I mean, I did like Thunder in Paradise, and I would put Andre one just because The Princess Bride is one of my favorite movies. And oh, absolutely. It would not be the same movie without him. Anybody want to be that? <laughs> so, um, no, it was, it was a great main event. You know, I, I think Lex Luger did everything he could. We all know that he's very limited. You know, he's not the best professional wrestler in the world. He just has a good look. And, um, you know, no, that's, that's where it ends. Being in there with Flair, you know, Flair can make anybody look good. So, well, oh, that's the wrong one. <laughs> A cricket? Sorry, Coach. I didn't mean to give you crickets. I meant to. <laughs> After my sweet thunder and paradise pull, you're going to be cricket? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I meant to give you that. Yeah, that's messed up, man. Um, so yeah, that was uh, Capital Combat, the return of Robocop from 1990. Uh, let's do some do some final thoughts. Uh, Warren, final thoughts on Capital Combat. Um, I thought I, I, we mentioned this uh, before we went on air here, um, as we were doing our prep. The pay-per-view as a whole wasn't long. It was just under three hours, but it just felt like uh, a bit of a drag to get through. Um, the pay-per-view itself, uh, I thought, was a decent pay-per-view. Um, a lot of uh, big-time late-80s stars here. Um, the the card was littered with with talent, top to bottom. There weren't too many misses. Um 
But uh, my cream of the crop match. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What? Let's do all the awards together. What are you? What are you skipping oh, okay. for? Right. So we'll, okay. All right. Let's skip all right. I'll hold, I'll, I'll hold off. Um, but I thought top to bottom, I thought the pay per view was a pretty solid match, and I it was a good rebound for us after watching uh, that first Survivor Series. Mm. Agreed, Pilch. All thoughts on Capital Combat Return of RoboCop. Uh, you know, I really like this pay per view. Um, I, 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 this is like right up my alley, man. I love all this goofy stuff. You know, I, it's, I, I know it's not good, but it's, it's to me, it's entertaining. I thought a lot of the wrestling was actually very good. Um, it does make me a little sad that I think there's a lot of really good talent under the WW, WCW NWA umbrella that they just let go. Or just didn't know how to use properly, and I think this pay per view shows that more than anything. Is you have a young Undertaker who doesn't really have a gimmick except he's mean, which okay. <laughs> um, you know, uh, as Warren stated, you know, I don't like Johnny Ace, but apparently in Japan he's gigantic, so some someone out there must get it. Uh, yes, hundred percent. You have IRS, who is one of the better gimmicks in WWF. You know, early WWF, in my opinion. Uh, Rikishi. Uh, you have Teddy Long, even, who went on in WWF and became, you know, an icon. Uh, Brian Pillman's great. Um, you know, obviously, he, he had a good run in WCW once he got paired up with Steve Austin, you know, the Hollywood Blondes, stuff like that. I love the Hollywood Blondes. Um, you know, Ron Simmons, even. You know, it, you want to talk about, we, we played about 30 minutes of Scott Steiner promos early on. <laughs> um, you know, I it's i find this stuff entertaining i like it um you know it's it's probably not up everyone's out any everyone's alley and i get that but um to me this this keeps my attention i think there's a lot of good talking points here and if nothing more than just how ridiculous it is yeah i mean this like you were saying like there's so much legendary talent on this card and just to think, what if, what if WCW didn't release these guys? Or what if WWF at the time, like, didn't, you know, take a chance on Mark Calloway or take a chance on bringing over Ron Simmons, you know, after his run with Doom and, you know, what could have been? Like, it's just insane to think about and insane to think that, Someone I, as legendary as these these people, you know, Rikishi, Ron Simmons. Even we're not even I mean, talking about Mick Foley. I mean, and Mick Foley, like you know, to think that these people who we now know as legends started off as just secondary you know, to RoboCop, right? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Um, so let's do uh, let's do some quick rewards. Uh, because this podcast has two hours later. Uh, we we're going on. We we went on for a while, guys. Uh, <laughs> so let's start with the old uh, the cream of the crop. The old cream of the crop award. I am going to give this to the world tag team champion match between Doom and the Steiner brothers. I really enjoyed this match. Um, just as what's it? What's it that Biggie says? Just 
two, uh, two, we got big meaty men bumping meat. Big meaty men bumping meat. There it is. That's that's some good old fashioned Georgia wrestling. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, just a great match, and you know, to see these these uh, not to get all black powery, but you know, to see it two you know two uh, African American men as meaty as, as Butch Reed and, and, and Ron Simmons walking away with tag titles. And I think this is the first time they they had, like, black tag team champions, if I'm not mistaken. Very well could be. Yeah, we, I can effort that while we, uh, while we continue. I think that is. I'm pretty sure that's, like, a thing, them winning these tag team titles. Like, I think that's, like, the first time they had, like, black tag team champions or something like that. Um, Pilch, what do you got for your uh, your awards? So, my cream of the crop award, I'm going to stick with not giving it out to wrestling matches, but giving it out to my favorite moment. My uh, favorite moment, or my cream of the crop award for this pay-per-view will be the promo cut by the Junkyard Dog. The cream of the crop! <laughs> I like um, it. I like it. Nothing... <laughs> You know, anything that gets a reaction out of me that will literally make me laugh out loud, I think is is worthy of that award. That <laughs> definitely did it. Oh boy. That's my mother's house. <laughs> that was really good. So in the in nineteen eighty three, uh Tony and Rocky Johnson, the team Soul Patrol, beated the Wild Samoans to be the first African American. Soul Patrol was the first. Okay. I was mistaken. But not, not that long before this though. 1983, 70 years. I mean. Yeah. So that but they were the second then. Uh I don't know. There's Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson were the first. Yeah. Okay. Um Warren. Warren, you got any awards you want to give out? Uh yeah, I think we have to go with uh, the cream of the crop award. The cream of the crop for the Doom and Steiner Brothers tag team match. Um, just a just a hard hitting, uh, two great tag teams. Uh, happy to see. I'm always a big fan of Ron Simmons, so happy to see him uh, get the strap there. Um, I guess the. I guess I can still give out the. Don't buy any unripe bananas yet, because you won't live to eat them. Yeah. I might give out two. Uh, one's gonna go to the six-man tag with the Road Warriors and Norman mm-hmm. against Bam Bam Bigelow, Catches Jack, and Kevin Sullivan. Um, that match was pretty straightforward. Where the just it was the Road Warriors uh, to the end. And then the uh, don't buy any unripe bananas yet because you won't live to eat them. Yeah, the hair versus hair match has got to be. I mean, it was less than it was less than five minutes. I think it might have been a minute tops, two minutes, one minute fifty seven seconds according to the wiki. Uh, that was I don't know. They could have they could have just done a promo for that and didn't necessarily have to do it as a match. Well, yeah, I guess, I mean, it could have, you know, we could have done without it, but there's a lot of stuff we could have done without in this pay-per-view. Also, uh, one more award. It's the, uh, it's, this is a new one. 
Uh, this award goes Ooh, Chris, out. Before to... you do that, can I give out my bananas? Oh, you want to give out your right bananas? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, my uh, banana award is going to go to the Slamo Meter. <laughs> don't buy any unripe bananas because you won't live to eat them. Yeah. Because I love the concept of the Slamo Meter, was really excited about the role it was going to play in the rest of the pay per view, and then it just never came back. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Slamometer. R.I.P. Yes. You will be missed. You will be missed greatly. Um, I I don't know if I have a right bananas. Actually, I do have a right bananas, and my right bananas is for RoboCop. Don't buy any, any unripe bananas yet, because you won't live to eat them. Yeah, that one deserved two to play over top of each other. I just and not even that he was there. Just, I think they used it, used them wrong. I think if they had them not in that weird spot in between tag matches and more towards the actual main event, I think it would have been better. But, I mean, it's whatever. They did it. And uh, finally, our new, uh, our, our newest award, <laughs> uh, it's going to go to our pal Norman. And it's the uh, Scott Steiner Award. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, Norman. <laughs> Scott Steiner actually elaborated on that uh, that you probably missed. So let's let's listen in. Scott, what do you got? This fat son of a bitch is challenging all of us. Has been world champions before, been in this business 15, 20 years. And this fat son of a bitch is going to challenge us all out. Calm down, calm down, okay? All right. He's fat. You know- <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks, Scott. Uh, There's been so much you. Scott Steiner in this episode. So much Scott Steiner. Oh, so. Boy. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna owe him money at the end of this. We're probably yeah, we're probably gonna owe him royalties or something. Uh, let's get to the plugs. Uh, the plugs, ladies and gentlemen. Chris, Chris who won? Oh, we, we didn't get to that. You want to know who won, huh? Oh my god, we gotta know who won. Wanna know who won, ladies and gentlemen? It was real close, guys. It was really close. Um, was it though? It was. It was very close. I'm gonna do this. Do this, Julie Chen style. Are you sure about that? I'm sure about it. So, the votes have been tallied. Before before you get to there, uh, who is Julie Chen? Oh, she hosts Big Brother. That's Got a, it. That's a negative point. No. Now I'm. T- no, no, no! I'm I'm too deep into Love Island to know what Big Brother is. Another negative point. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> it's a, the, the, it, everything was locked. It, it was already locked in. You're lucky one. It was already locked in. <sighs> By a vote of seven to six. Mm. Warren has won today's episode. I am victorious. And I'll shout myself out. 
There you go. Warren has won. Thank you. Pilch. Pilch, I'm sorry. Uh, it was real close. You... So I, I don't remember exactly what you... Oh, I know what it was. You said you didn't like Mick Foley's cheetah print pants, and I gave you a negative point for that. <laughs> I, liked his neg- I liked his cheetah print pants. Wow. So, but even with that, you... You you were tied for a little bit. You were tied, and then that's ridiculous. I've made so many better points than Warren did. You did. You made a lot of really good points. I, made, I made up really that story about Norman. I told you about how the <laughs> slamometer disappeared, which you forgot about. I listen, and again, you were you were ahead, even with the minus with the negative point. You were ahead for a while. I made you remember how Bob beautiful Bobby wasn't that beautiful. <laughs> Those these are all points that I gave you. Yeah, okay. I gave you the history of RoboCop. That was before I was keeping points. That was before the game started. This is this is like the last episode you hosted all over again where you didn't listen to an entire segment of mine. When did I not listen to an entire segment of yours? The Royal Rumble. You didn't listen to an entire segment. The two of you laughed at oh, the end. No, that was because we couldn't hear you. Right. We couldn't hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We couldn't hear you. Yeah. Luckily, when when it went through production, it, the people that listened to it right. heard everything that you said. But oh, we couldn't hear you. We couldn't hear you in our headsets for some yeah. reason. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's for being a uh a worthy competitor today, Pilch. I will just give you one of these. You're welcome. I'm also going to give Chris Lee a negative point for not knowing how to spell the word capital. So I spelled it right, didn't I? No. Capital is with an A, not an O. Oh. <laughs> Exposed. Wait, I thought capital, or did I have it backwards? It's like capital letter is with the A. No, I have it backwards. Capital letter is with the O, and capital, like, capital of the place is with the A. You're right. Wait, there's two different capitals? Uh-huh. No. Yeah. No, there's not. Yeah, there is. Okay. All right, let's get to the plugs, because we're almost as long as the pay-per-view right now. Um <laughs> it's gonna be four soon. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Follow us at Triple R Pod on all three of those platforms. Website Triple R Podcast.com. Email the real Triple R Podcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on your podcast vehicle of choice. Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Well, it's not Google Play. It's Google Podcasts now. Stitcher. Uh, what's the other one that I never heard of, Chris? Spotify and... Not Spotify, the other one. Podcast Addict. Podcast Addict. You can also find us. You can also find us on Spotify. Subscribe, rate, review, send us your questions, comments, concerns, uh, everything. Interact with us. Mm-hmm. Give us uh, 
suggestions on pay-per-views to watch. We'll take those in the uh, in the old suggestion box as well. Let us know if you want to be a guest. Let us know if you want to be the guest. Not like a Justin Pilcher guest, a real, actual, not a regular on the podcast guest. Yeah, we'll see if we come back next week. <laughs> is it touch and go uh, for a second there, Pilcher? It is right now. Oh, Jesus. Well, let's, let's get out of here before he makes up his mind and makes a not-so-great decision. All right. Well, I'm Chris Lee. That was Warren. And as always, thank you, Pilch, for, for joining us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we will uh, see you guys in a couple days where the next uh, mini-sode. So uh, thank you and good night.